0: Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady.
1: Welcome, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. I'm back from assignment. I'm here with Lou Weiss, and we have Brian Sappett, who's joined us. He's Director of Sales for SensorTracks. Very interesting company, very interesting technology. Lou, you had a conversation with Brian. I'm interested to get into this show, but uh, before we do that, back
2: to you. Well, I just want to correct one thing. Uh, Brian is Director of Sales and CEO so let's not leave that out. That means he gets to uh, clean the dishes and, and, and the toilet bowl in the employee bathroom and all of that stuff. <laughs> but before we get into all that slimy stuff, uh, I'd like to take a uh, quick break and have me earn my money. And uh, here we go. We'll see you on the other side.
3: Talk Radio will be right back.
2: Hi, this is Lou Weiss. Some of you know me as Lou Weiss with the Yellow Jacket, but today I'm president of All Metals and Forge Group. We are proud and pleased to be the sponsors for Manufacturing Talk Radio and for WAM, Women and Manufacturing, since 2013. AMFG is an open die forge facility and a producer of Seamless Rolled Rings since 1972. Most of the metal families are available in our inventory for production to help keep down delivery times due to mill deliveries of raw stock. We also specialize in machined, large, and complex forged parts. So give us a look at steelforge.com, our website, or give us a call at 973 276-5000. Send us your inquiries, your drawings, and specifications. Our quoting turnaround time is usually less than 24 hours to help you get your job from your client. Give us a try. We're almost doing this 50 years of partnering with our clients. We'd like to partner with you as well. Thanks for listening.
3: Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio.
2: Okay, I feel like I now earned my money. So, uh, (laughs) Brian let's let's get to it tell us tell us about what your organization uh is about and what it's doing and we'll get into a little q a all
4: right sounds good thanks for uh having me too i really appreciate it no problem so sensor tracks we we really do two things we have two products one is called manufacturing analytics and it is designed to automatically collect data from machines and then also gather data from operators to provide easy-to-understand dashboards to increase throughput and capacity, right? So by understanding your downtime, understanding your scrap reasons, understanding where you have slow performance, really shining a light on those those things and aligning your teams to be able to fix them, right? So getting maintenance, your engineers, the production folks, quality, all on the same page and working towards the same goal. Um, The other product we have is is called OEM Analytics, and it's designed for machine builders uh, to be able to understand how their products are being used in the field, right? So how they can, and by using that data, they can build better products, they can deliver different service models, they can provide better warranties um, by having access to all that information. So it's the gist of what we do.
2: So when you uh, implement a program, whichever product it is, and you implement a program in a manufacturing uh, facility, what is the likely percent of improvement or efficiencies that the uh, the client company uh, ultimately could expect to get? So, it depends on the
4: starting point, but what what we see on the manufacturing analytics side is if you're going from paper and Excel-based production reporting and downtime tracking, we're seeing 20 to 30 percent increase in efficiency. So measured by an OEE, overall equipment effectiveness metric. So, which is pretty—it could be pretty significant, right? Uh, Twenty or thirty percent. Some companies have been able to reduce weekend
2: overtime um, with those increases. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty impressive. Uh, When you go to a customer, um, and I I remember when we instituted um, uh, the International Standards Organization (ISO) uh, within our company, we did get a fair amount of pushback. Uh, This was in 1994. We did get a fair amount of pushback from employees about, you know, well, why do we have to do this? Why do we have to do that? Uh, Do you experience uh, similar uh, uh, pushback from the employee base within your client organization? Yeah, sometimes. Um, It
4: depends on how it's implemented. So if we're doing completely automatic data collection, it's a little bit, uh, you get a little bit less pushback, but, you know, change, change is hard for everybody, and if you're asking them to enter data in another system, it, it takes time for them to get used to it. Uh, if, if it's messaged right, though, um, they actually accept it pretty well because then it creates visibility into what the real problems are, right? And rather than, you know, finger-pointing or anecdotal information, everybody knows what they should be working on. Um, mm-hmm. So the trick is really you got to present it properly, some companies incentivize uh, people based on the metrics. So then they really, they do adopt it much more readily. Um, But it's always, it's always, change is always hard, especially in manufacturing.
2: It's uh, sure it can be a challenge. Matter of fact, just as a a quick side story, I went to a dentist yesterday and I had been there two weeks ago and I filled out all the papers and the HIPAA and all of that. There are four different forms all with the same information and Yesterday, I go to the, uh, the second my second appointment, and they say, guess what? We changed our computer program. I have four more pages for you to fill out. I refused. I said, I'm not doing it. I can't ask my customers to fill out forms. You're not asking this customer. So it's, it, there seems to be a way that we should have universal information flow of some sort. But that's your department, not mine. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, we,
4: as kind of a core tenant of the product, we, we don't ask a user, an operator, anybody, something that the system should already know. Right? Right. You, you should, that should uh, you be
1: know. a banner headline. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's so excellent. Us. By the way, by the way, Brian, I understand that in the OEE world, like something, by the way, I had not heard of, I've heard of a lot of acronyms, but that was a new one to me, that there's a certain amount of, I'll use a kind word, massaging that goes on to try to get to 100% OEE. What What's really going on?
4: Yeah, there is. And actually, I could talk about this forever because I have very strong opinions about OEE and how it should be used. But you can really, really manipulate that calculation based on how you treat downtime. So there's really two kinds of downtime in an OEE calculation planned and unplanned. And if you categorize things like, you know, tool changes, maintenance, lunches, uh, breaks, uh, cigarette breaks, whatever it is, as planned downtime, you can cr- you can produce maybe like three parts a day and work for an hour and have 100% OEE, um, <laughs> <laughs> which doesn't help anybody, right? The whole idea behind that number, behind that metric, is to make an easy-to-understand single number to tell you how much of the available, essentially, capacity of a machine am I using, Right. And is it running to the standards? And and a lot of people will manipulate that because they think 100% is the goal or this myth that world-class OEE is 85%, um, which for one company maybe it is, and for another company maybe they're losing money at 85%. Uh, I think the number is just a, a number. It's a starting point, And then once you're at the starting point, what's important is are you trending up? Right. So, are you getting better? Are you reducing downtime? Are you producing at a faster rate? Are you improving improving your quality? That's what really matters. It's just a starting point.
2: When you uh, when you're when you're talking to uh, a client. Um, you know, we know manufacturers, and I guess at this point you know manufacturers also, and they're always very committed to their businesses and, and their product, improving the product, improving profitability, uh, improving their vacations. Uh, and <laughs> Here you have uh, a, a topic that is so foreign to many people uh, that do you have a problem with the management. To show them the the benefit, the quick turnaround, the ROI, and so on.
4: Yeah, it 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 can be a, a challenge. Like there's a there's a few of them. Probably the most um, the one that would be most applicable to this conversation is they're too busy, right? So you'll talk to a
3: right.
4: a, a, C, a CEO, VP of manufacturing, uh, some COO of a, of a manufacturing company, and We don't have time to implement something like this. We're way too busy. We have way too many other problems uh, that we have to deal with. But the reality is, typically, it's like you're you're busy because you're dealing with a a problem, right? So you have maybe a problem line, a problem product, a problem machine, or you're growing like crazy and you can't keep up. Well, if you had the data that told you where your inefficiencies are, you could create additional capacity, right? Maybe you don't need to go out and buy new machines. Maybe you don't. Um, and you could take on more business, right? Uh, maybe you'd have the data to help you fix that other machine, and you wouldn't be quite so busy, right? You don't have time. Um,
2: it sounds like it should be an easy sell, but um, I, I don't know. It sounds like that you, you have some hardliners that would resist.
4: Yeah, uh, yeah. That they just think that there's other, there's other, other things that they can do uh, rather than gathering and looking at data, so.
2: You know, it's uh, funny. I, I had participated in New Jersey uh, Manufacturing Caucus uh, held at the Capitol about two months ago. And they, and the purpose of this caucus is to have manufacturers talking to the uh, government officials to tell them one-on-one what the problems are, what their issues are, skill gap, education, opioids, and so on and so forth. And they had a hard time to get 10 manufacturers to come because they were all busy. And and here is a state that's reaching out, trying to find what the problems are, what potential solutions there are,
0: and are, are there
2: solutions. And they had, they're having the same uh, manufacturing caucus next week, and they have the same problem. They can't get enough people to make a big enough difference, and it's really a shame. Yeah, that's too bad. The,
4: yeah. The other thing, um, the other thing that we see. Uh, that is interesting is that people don't know that these solutions exist or if they, they, they know they do, they think they're really, really expensive. Right. And they think they're going to be like a, an ERP implementation. I think we talked about that the other day. Yeah. You know, it's going be. to take months and it's going to turn our organization upside down. And that's not really the case. I mean, with us, you know, typically we get somebody up in a, in a couple of weeks and you know, you're, you're talking, you know, 10 grand, not a hundred grand, um, so, you know, they're they're accessible and, and easy to implement and typically easy to pick up, and they can solve real problems for people. So.
2: Well, I guess uh, having successful projects might be a good way to sell new projects to some of your clients to show them how it uh, worked and, uh, you know, get uh, – Get the appropriate type of testimonials to help sell the concept. But I'm going to let you answer that part when we get back from our uh, next commercial. So we're going to see you on the other side in just about a minute.
3: Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back.
0: How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment, components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials? Thirty years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com, industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification. Fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason thomasnet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it, and it's all free. Go to thomasnet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line.
3: Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio.
2: So here we are, and I, I left you with a question on the other side about uh, how how e- easy or difficult it might be for you to be able to improve your message methodology to clients who are really far off the uh, uh, off the platform, so to speak.
4: Yeah, I mean I think the what you said before the break. Um, is completely true. It's as I think manufacturers are fast followers, right? So once somebody shows real, uh, improvement with something, then everybody starts to jump on board. And, uh, you know, sensor has been around for a little over two years and we're starting to develop those case studies in different industries. Like there's a case study up on our website for an auto part supplier that did that 30% OEE increase in 60 days. Um, you know, the payback for them is, is enormous. Yeah, uh, we, I say. Yeah, and, and we have a couple other ones, too. They're not published on the website, but massive downtime reductions. Uh, another company that, um, stamping company, that's um, seeing an increase in performance uh, on, their, on their presses. Um, you know, I think as we publish more of those, and really in the broader market, not just sensor tracks, but as more people use this type of software, I think, more and more people are going to jump on board and believe it actually works.
2: Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm.
4: you know, it's technology solution. Everybody throws out all the acronyms like I I O T and all of this. And nobody understands really what it is and how it can benefit them. How's it going to increase okay. the bottom line or help me sell more. And right. as as the business value is understood more, I think by the broader manufacturing market, I think more and more people will adopt it.
2: Well, the, um, Give us a little background. I remember you have uh, six or seven or eight locations. Is that, am I remembering correctly?
4: Yeah, yeah I think we're up at like 11 now. Um, ah. Well,
2: yeah, that was a and, week ago I spoke to you. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah. We closed a few gross. deals this week, too, so, Yeah. <laughs> We're growing pretty
4: quickly. So, yeah, what's interesting is that there are all different industries. So we have, you know, plastic injection molding, stamping, um, uh, auto parts, uh, furniture manufacturers, uh, uh, high-speed label printing manufacturers, uh, food equipment manufacturers, uh, grinding manufacturers. I mean, it's like really all over the board, which kind of speaks to the the early adopter nature of of the audience, you know, and customers that we have and I think is Mm – we show success with all these guys
2: will, we'll expand even more. Talk, talking about your guests, uh, talking about your uh, customers, are they primarily uh, small, medium, large combinations thereof? I would call them all
4: medium or um, medium sized plants of really large companies that, uh, you know, operate autonomously. Um, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, so like, Hundred employees or more, I would say. I call that medium. I don't. I'm some people yeah. call that small, but,
2: but that's where we. The see government that. calls everything small, <laughs> right? <laughs> if they don't have a trillion dollar budget, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Brian, I'm just curious. Uh, with OEE, it seems to me, being a total neophyte with this, that a machine can only be in four states. It's working, it's available for work but not working, it's broken, or it's down for maintenance. Are those the metrics that you're measuring? I mean, it doesn't really matter what the operator is doing or what the order book says. Your OEE focuses on the machine itself. Is that right?
4: Yeah, we do focus on the machine, and I would say that you know your explanation at a high level is 100% right. Um, we let the customers define their own downtime reasons so they can get pretty detailed on what's happening plus we can derive things directly from the controls and the PLCs inside of the machines to really understand what's happening Um, kind of a differentiator in our product, too, that you can go pretty deep into what's happening inside of the equipment. So, like, if we're monitoring a, a machine tool like a mill or a lathe, you can look at speeds and feeds and current draw and, you know, temperatures and really anything that we could pull off of that control and then correlate it with downtime, good product production, scrap, right? Um, so you can understand what, hap- what happened on the machine when, we, uh, when it crashed, for example, or if we created a bad part right. or, or something like that. Uh, beyond the obvious, right? So um, it can be pretty powerful. And it's the system's built around OEE, but, um, you know, there's so much more that you can do with the data that you collect to do an OEE calculation that's really powerful. Uh,
2: Brian, when, when you and I spoke a couple of days ago, we introduced into our conversation about the tariff issue. How, how do you see the tariff... Uh, Dilemma that we're in and how it would be affecting either your client and or your ability to um, uh, do the thing that you do. Yeah, it's a.
4: I hear I hear different um, answers from different manufacturers depending on the industries they're in, but it seems like it's starting to worry everybody more and more. Um, I, we think that sensor tracks could help companies that are being squeezed by the tariffs, because if you could find additional capacity, if you can uh, increase your efficiencies, I mean, that that goes directly to the bottom line and can maybe cushion the blow a little bit there. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, in in certain markets, we're seeing people kind of pull back a little bit and and not want to make decisions because of the uncertainty and and not really want to spend money really on, on anything. Um, other people are open to the idea of, yeah, let's try to get ahead of this thing, create some efficiencies, and, and we can absorb um,
2: maybe some of those tariffs that we're going to get charged. But it's, I don't know, you know if that's I don't know if that's the the human nature spin on it. I think the, the your your first uh, comments about let's hold off and see wait 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 to see what's going to happen, uh, and, and we're seeing it in our metals business everyone's holding off on metals cuz who knows what the US steel companies are going to raise their prices to right which they've already done so it's a real it's a real dilemma
4: yeah I mean, we uh we had a couple good deals going uh, a month or two ago and then they just said nope we're not doing anything like nay no, it wasn't just us right so it was like all a lot of other initiatives that they had um they just weren't doing it until uh, they get some more certainty on what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Manufacturing doesn't like uncertainty. Nope. It's, so uh, Brian, is, sure. is it
1: is it your thought that it is specifically the tariffs that dissuaded them from moving forward?
4: Uh, for two companies, yeah. I mean that's what they told us. You know, you never you never know a hundred percent, but um, sure. that's what they said. Yeah. You know the wow. uh, on the flip side of that, you know, if you look at the reasons why people don't don't do it, I mean, it, it's kind of like I said before; they they're too busy um, to to do it. So,
1: yeah, that's a tougher one if they're too busy to do it. <laughs> yet the, the, the ROI seems so attractive with this, I, is I, I, mean, I can't believe it's enormously expensive.
4: Yeah, it's it's really not. Um we don't uh I don't think we don't publish our pricing on the internet, but you can do, you know, five machines for it's a it's a yearly subscription, but five machines in a plant for I think less than $9,000. And that for most people um equates to eliminating like 12 minutes of downtime a shift. I mean, it's it's pretty minimal to get a good payback uh on on implementing the product, that's a 300% return in that particular example. Well, being being that
2: we're talking about money now, we want to make sure we don't forget to have you give your email address so all those people who started looking at their ROI number can get in touch with you immediately, if not sooner. So give us your email address. It's Brian, Pry. Oh, go ahead. and, And or your website address. Yeah. So um,
4: SensorTrax is actually spelled a little strangely. So it's S E N S R T R X dot com, um, or you can do sensor-tracks dot com, which is a little bit easier. And uh, my email address is Brian B R Y A N at sensortrax dot com.
2: Okay. Um, we, uh, do you have any uh, other comments, uh, Brian, to help wrap up this segment for us? Anything important that you'd like to convey to our listeners? Yeah, I would say that, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, OEE,
4: and I and I, I said I have some strong opinions on that. If anybody out there is doing an OEE project or thinking about it and they're debating on whether things should be planned or unplanned downtime, make it all unplanned. Um, it'll show you all the inefficiencies that you have. It gives you the ability to see, how breaks and lunches and different things are affecting your potential capacity. And um, it, can, it can be pretty eye-opening when you look at that. Uh, and, and I think there's a lot of capacity hidden inside of manufacturing plants that people don't really realize is there that, that those types of projects, whether it's with sensor tracks or even if you're doing it with paper and Excel, you can really expose
2: and, and take advantage of. Seems like, uh, seems like a plan. Uh, we're going to take a quick break for uh, a moment, and then we're going to tell you about next week's show and uh, Brian, thanks for being on our show today um, and uh, we'll keep us posted your your growing uh concern and uh, we'd like to stay on top of how the industry in itself is growing and if people are buying in uh, over you know the long haul and short haul. So, we're going to take a quick commercial break.
3: Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back.
4: Excellence. It's what separates good companies from average ones. This year's theme for the AME International Conference in San Diego is create waves of excellence. Gain insights from keynote speakers, including innovation expert Jeremy Gucci, former NFL quarterback Joe Theismann, lean author and researcher Mike Rother, and leadership pro Liz Weissman. Witness operational excellence in person at plant tours from San Diego's diverse, innovative manufacturing community. Don't miss the opportunity to accelerate your journey toward excellence this fall in San Diego. Visit ame.org San Diego for more information and to register. We look forward to seeing you in San Diego.
3: Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Okay,
2: we're back. So what's up, Tim? We have a show next what? week, and we're, we have a show next week, and we've got uh, uh, the, our global show, the economics of what's going on around the world with um, Norbert, Norbert Orr. As, or, as a matter of right,
1: fact, right. as a teaser to that show, uh, I think, People really need to tune in to the global show. This particular one, also MMO, our metals and manufacturing outlook e that's going to go out. There's a lot of talk about tariffs, not just in the United States, but in all of the uh, economic zones around the world. The Eurozone, Britain, the U.K., China, the Asia region, India, everyone is beginning to feel the ripple effect of this. And none of it's good, Lou. None of it.
2: Not one of the five tariff programs that have been implemented in the past ever worked, starting with the Great Recession in 1929. Thank you, President Hoover. Yeah, they all failed. Yeah, and this one is going to be no exception. And uh, it's just a question of how hard are we all going to fall?
1: Yes. Unfortunately, because of, oddly, the tariff issue and the steel companies raising their rates on steel and aluminum, and as you correctly pointed out, Lou, aluminum went up 15%, not 10, because there was already five on it.
2: Okay. Um,
1: And the steel companies are looking to raise uh, their rates, their prices, even more. The downstream effect is everything that uses metal, sheet metal, whatever it may be, prices are going up, and now they're start starting to talk about the R word, recession. And as you and I know, when the mainstream media gets their teeth into that, they cause manufacturers to get nervous, they cause buyers to get nervous, people start holding on to their pocketbook and their order books, and they, the media leads us into a recession.
2: That's true. They talk us right into it they talk us right into it so i'm looking for a new place to move you know maybe <laughs> one of the islands in the south pacific and uh, i'm seriously thinking about it there aren't there is no winter there but you know i'll deal with it so
1: yeah, you can be uh, you can be in a grass skirt the grass hut and just hang out on the beach i
2: don't, I don't know if a grass skirt's going to do me much good but uh, maybe no skirt. How's that? <laughs> so here we go. Uh, next week we have, the, the, again, the global show. We have it on next Tuesday at 1 o'clock, Manufacturing Talk Radio, mfgtalkradio.com. And on Wednesday we have our new show, WHAM, which is Women and Manufacturing, Uh the uh, accomplished women interviewing accomplished women, uh, great stuff, great, great uh, women on on the scene today. Um, they're making out like crazy in the uh, election uh, primaries, and I think there's a total of 585 women that are running for office in this country. You know, local state national i hope they i hope they're all going to win <laughs> they're smart, they're smart they're smarter than us they're more sensitive than us they're more honest than us so i'm waiting for the day so with that note tim it's been a pleasure
1: it has been a pleasure we certainly enjoy everyone who Listens to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We've got a bunch of great shows. Don't forget about our sister show called WAM, Women in Manufacturing. That's at womenandmfg.com. We've got a whole body of shows there. A lot of great advice from women in the top ranks of manufacturing or women who own their own businesses or women who perform key roles within a company and their journey through the manufacturing world. So... Listen to those, and you can find any of our shows and some great articles at mfgtalkradio.com. Again, thanks for listening today, and we'll be back again with you next week with Manufacturing Talk Radio.
3: Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com.